Good morning. My name is Nick Fatato. I serve on the board here at Chair City. I also serve as a regional leader for the Assemblies of God, and my primary purpose is to uh, invest in leaders and extend the kingdom in this region. I also count it an honor to uh, be in partnership with your leadership, your pastors, and um, I look forward to these moments every time I'm here. Uh, I'm taking the assignment to continue on in the, in the series, but before I do that, I want to I wanna pause and, and just pray for our time. You know, I recognize the longer I serve God, how uh, insignificant my role is and how profoundly significant his role is, and, um, and we know that, you know, we try to do it in our strength, but especially in this moment, um, Let's just pause and ask for his help. God, thank you for just breath in our lungs to be able to declare your goodness as we sang. Father, thank you for the connection that we have as we walk into this place and, and engage in friends and meet new friends and, and catch up with one another as we journey in life together. But now we take a couple moments and look into uh, your word. And we recognize that your word alone uh, is words, but when ignited by the Spirit, is transforming. And so we recognize that in these moments, what will change our lives will be you. And so, Father, help me to get out of the way uh, and to allow you and your agenda to take place. God, you know where each person in this room is right now. You know the weight they bring and the celebration they bring. There's nothing that surprises you. And so, God, we ask uh, to have your way. And so we commit these moments into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are, I think I can say we. I'm not sure if I'm part of the family yet. But we are in a, in a series that just looks at these, these biblical images that define who we are those who would d declare themselves as Christ followers. And if you're not a Christ follower today, this is a great moment to be able to see what it means to be a Christ follower and what that can mean to your life. So whichever way you're looking at it, you know, I, I've walked with God my whole life. I grew up as a preacher's kid, and that can have its upside and downside. Uh, I've been in church. I have no memory of not being in church uh, I have no memory of not knowing God. I've always known God. And so I can't really point to a moment of revolutionary change. I used, to, I used to think how cool it would be to have like a really destroyed life and then say, I got saved and now I have a great life. And then I could just say, there's that moment, you know. But I don't have that excuse. I've known God my whole life. And so uh, uh, an idea like today that we're going to extract from the scriptures is so meaningful to me because it says God is a God who works on us our whole life. God is a God that constantly changes us and makes us. Now, some of your story, I'm sure, is very different than mine. Some of you have a familiar story is mine. But I know what it is to change. I know what it is to grow, and I know what it is to slow down and be stuck. I know what it is to slip and fall. I know what it is to take the mountain. 
I know what it is to succeed and I know what it is to fail and I've tasted all of it. For me, I think one of the challenging things about my life, I don't know about you, but for me, is that I can't control everything. I really wish I could, but I can't. And one of those most uneasy moments in my life is that sense of things are not in my control. But in reality, they never are. <laughs> I just kind of lie to myself and think that maybe there's moments I can be in control. But I can't control when people that I really love go through really hard things. Ah, that's hard on me. I mean, I'd rather, and those of you that are parents that have had your children go through tough times, you would take it in a second. Say, put it on me, not them. And I know what it is to, to be in difficult times financially and the weight that that is on your shoulders of, ah, whether it was your own fault or, or it was outside of you that put you in that place. But there's things you can't control. Can't control politics or world movements that, that can really have an impact on the things I care about. The reality is I can't control the next minute. I can't control tomorrow. Um, and that bothers me at times. But it impacts how I live. But I've come to understand a very primary reality in my life, and here's what it is. God is at work in my life all the time, yeah. every day, right now. This morning, as I was putting the final touches on the message, God was at work. Yesterday, as I drove to a funeral and, uh, and listened to the story of a man who, who, who lived to 103 <laughs> and uh, preached the gospel right up to the end, uh, God was in control. You see, that knowledge of God being in control is profoundly freeing for me. Um, if I ignore that reality, it has significant impact on my life. And even though the timing isn't always good, the pain and suffering that comes along the way is not in my game plan, it's not the way I would draw it up, and it's not the way you would draw it up. Surprise and celebration is joyful when it comes. Even when I don't pay attention, and when you don't pay attention, God is still at work. So here we are today. And I would ask you this question. Are you the same person today that you were a few years ago? And what, what is it that produced change to get you to today, for good or for bad? One, it could be age. <laughs> you, know? you know, they say, uh, you know, experience gives you wisdom. Well, experience doesn't give you wisdom. It just gives you experience. Reflected experience gives you wisdom. That was worth the price of admission right there. I mean, you could, you could basically write that down and call it a morning and you'd be all right. Sometimes it's decisions that you make that allow you to grow. And sometimes it's decisions that you make that allow you to freeze and go backwards. Sometimes it's circumstances that are outside of your control. But I'd ask you this question. Are you t today, are you better or worse than you were a week ago, a year ago, a month ago. But then, what's in front of you? 
What do you see? What do you want to see? Better marriage? Better parent? More time with your children? Better work? We kind of, the thing about the future is it gives us a chance to think about things that we want to get better at. But here's what I know about you. You say, well, how would you know, Nick? Because your pastor told me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He didn't tell me. (laughs) He's freezing now. What are you going to say? Everyone in this room is in process. You know, if you have breath in your lungs, and I assume you all do, uh, God is still working in your life. No matter where you're at. And you may be distant from God, and somebody tricked you into saying, hey, let's go to this, (laughs) this theater, see what happens. Maybe we'll catch a movie or a sermon. I don't know. (laughs) But either way, no matter what, God is at work in your life. And you say, well, how do I know that? How can I be so bold as saying that? Well, that would be arrogant of me, and it would be unfair, and it would be inappropriate of me. But we are putting our trust in the Scripture. So for these moments, we're going to look at a piece of Scripture that's found in the Old Testament. And that's the, the big piece of the first part of the Bible. And if you have a Bible, you can follow along. We'll put the, we'll put the words up on the, the scriptures up on the screen. But we're looking at the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, uh, I mean, he had a tough gig. I mean, he really had a tough gig. He, he had to tell people they were in trouble and they weren't going to listen. I mean, that, that sounds like parenting. <laughs> it's, it sounds like so much of what can happen, but, but Jeremiah was, was the voice of God to a people who were running from God. And, um, but there's this, this very clear, clear moment that describes the, the metaphor that we have today. And the metaphor we have today is we are clay in the potter's hand. We are clay in the potter's hand. And there's two pieces of ground we're going to stand on. And the first one is found in Isaiah 64, 3, and it says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. That's why I could say the things I said in the last seven minutes, because we are the work of his hand. Now, Jeremiah gives us the real foundation for our our moments together today. And it's found in the the 18th chapter of Jeremiah. And a prophet in the Old Testament um, heard from God and then delivered the word to people. And in the 18th chapter, he tells this amazing story. But before there, it's only fair to kind of set up the story. You see, Jeremiah uh, has to speak to the nation of Israel, at that time, God's people. And he had pulled them out of slavery and declared his love for them. But like a person who is unfaithful 
to their spouse, Israel was unfaithful to God. And God tells them, in very direct terms, return, faithless people, and I will cure your backsliding. Now, here's a theme I want you to see. Most people think about the Old Testament. They think it's just this hammer God. As you mess up, I'm going to squish you. I'm going to destroy you. But you're going to see in this story this compassionate God that says, I want to keep working with you to change you into what you need to be. And he uses this wonderful picture of clay and potter. But he says, if you return, and they continue on, and there's a whole list of things. They, they harbored wicked thoughts. They lusted. They were stubborn in rebellion, chapter 4, chapter 5. They were violent, chapter 6. They lived with greed, chapter 6. They, they stole and they murdered. They committed adultery. They committed perjury. I mean, that sounds like a rough crew. They worshiped idols. They burned their sons and daughters to false gods. They lied. They desecrated the Sabbath. This is all laid out in the first 17 chapters of Jeremiah. And they refused to turn. Now, these are the moments when I read these stories. I don't know about you, Dave, but I think, why didn't God just toast them all? I mean, why? you know why? Because he created them. You know, my children don't always do the things I want them to do, but God allowed me to participate in creating them. I will always love them. Always love them. But because they refused, God says, all right, I'm going to have to I'm getting, my hand is about to work on you, and it's going to be in the shape of the Babylonian warriors. And these were ruthless, ruthless warriors. And they were about to destroy and wound God's people. He's, he doesn't want to do that. And you kind of think about the results of that. But he tells them, this is what's going to happen if you don't turn. He said they're cruel and they have no mercy. They sound like the roaring sea and they ride on their horses. And they'll make Jerusalem a heap of ruins. That's just dark. Really, really dark. But yet they continued. Chapter 7. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery, perjure, burn incense to Baal, and follow the other gods not known, and then come and stand before me in the house which bears my name and say, we're safe? You see, they kept thinking, well, God, I'll just go back to God, and he'll take care of me. Everything will be fine. And then we go to chapter 18, and this is the, this is the heart of, of our morning right here. And this is the story that sets up our metaphor. And it goes like this, chapter 18, verse 2. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. You can, you can imagine this in your mind's eye, right? But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it again into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. This is a really, could be an obscure sentence, but it's the, the real heart of it. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me. So he sees this picture that is so familiar. And then God says, listen to this. Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. So this story, this story is a, it's a visual picture, but it goes deep into this idea that God is shaping and molding humans. And he sends this message, I can do what I want the way I want, to who I want. You see, God works with soft clay. If you, if you want to have kind of a, here's what I want to walk out the door with. Here it is. I want to be soft clay, moldable clay. Because that means change. And God responds to that. God responds to and, and some of you, this is your story. And man, if we had time, I would love to hear some of those stories where I, I was this and I could care less about God and I was going to do life my way. And then something changed in my life and I, I happened to have the, the courage or the grace or, and I leaned over and I said, God, here's my life. And God says, okay, I'll put you back together. Yeah. I know that's some of your story some of my story. I mean, the Bible tells these great stories. There's this, you know, this people that were just constantly disruptive and evil. And God says, I'm just going to destroy the whole place. And so he sends Jonah to this place called Nineveh. And he says, you tell them, either they straighten up or I'm wiping them out. <laughs> and they fasted. And they said, okay, God, don't give up on us yet. And here's, here's the beauty of that story in Jonah. When God saw what they had done, how they had turned and they had re from their evil ways, he relented. He did not bring on them what they deserved. <laughs> Have you ever had that moment when you got what you didn't deserve? Isn't that great? You knew you didn't deserve it. In fact, everyone in this room the very fact that we can interact with God, we get what we don't deserve. And that's the picture that Jeremiah shared to the stubborn people. And here's, here's two lessons we'll take away from this. One is God is working for your good. God is working for your good. Now, some of you right now in your mind, or you leaned over to the person next to you and you said, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't feel that. It's irrelevant. The truth is, God is at work for you good. In, in this story, in the 18th verse, it says, I saw him working on the wheel. Back to this imagery. You know, from the very beginning, this idea that God works with mud and clay. I mean, in the creation story, we see you know, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils and the breath of life. You know, God made mankind out of clay. He's trying to continue to shape and to mold our lives to get them in that place 
a place of delight, a place of peace, a place of joy. And sometimes his hands are very, there's very different the things that he uses. You know, Joseph told his brothers, you, know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Man, we all got that list, don't we? I thought this was bad. God, t- You know what? Here's what humans can do. They can bring good out of good. Here's what God can do. He can bring good out of bad. Some of the most significant things in your life are the result of bad decisions that God turned into good or difficult circumstances that he chose to use to shape and to mold you. You know, Jesus said it this. He said, I want you to have life and life to the full. John 10. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And those are, those are huge promises. But see, we flip it around sometimes. Isaiah 45 says, says does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you doing you know, when I, when I read that the other day, I thought, man, how many times have I done that? How many times have I said to the creator of the universe who could just exhale and eliminate the universe that I would say, hey, God, do you even know what you're doing here? I mean, how ludicrous of a statement is that? Did you, God, did you happen to notice things are not falling my way right now? Hey, hey, God, remember, I, I flip the equation too often. But we're the clay, Isaiah 64, and you're the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. Let me read that again and just let that settle in. No matter where you're at right now, we are the clay, you are the potter, And we are the work of your hand. You know, Paul writes to this young, young church in Ephesus that was really in crisis. He writes this letter. And if you've ever been in a a tough situation and you get a letter from a trusted person, you really read it well. And that's what happened here. And he writes that church. He said, you know what? And they're in, they're in terrible situation. They're under persecution. There's infighting. There's doctrinal struggle. And he writes this letter to them and he says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I think we often quote that and we think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was writing to people that were really in a difficult place. You know, I read recently that nothing of any great value ever comes easy. And I think oftentimes the love of God is expressed toward us and he shapes us because he loves us. So we know one thing from this story, God is at work in our lives. The second thing we know is experiencing God's goodness does have some conditions. God works for good 
But even when he was talking and he laid out this picture, he was clear that their behavior mattered. He said, I will relent if you'll repent. Repent is just that Bible word that says if you're walking this way, you repent and you go this way. It's a Bible word that says you need to turn around and do something different. And he says that I'll reconsider. See, when we keep jumping off, I don't know what it's called. What's that little wheel called that you spin pottery on? I guess a potter's wheel. Kind of self-descriptive. <laughs> we keep jumping off that and say, no, 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 I'm good. We keep, we keep jumping off and, and saying, I don't, I don't need to be shaped. There is a condition of what God will do. Our part is to, to stay on the wheel and stay soft. What that means is trust. You see, when you read, here's, here's some of the ways you stay on the wheel. You read, you read along in, in the scriptures and, and you see something that your life is not aligned with and you say, you know, I'm going I'm to align my life with that. That's soft clay. I, I read a, a passage this about two weeks ago and as soon as I read it, I knew this had to shift my life. And it was, it was a simple proverb that says, you know, it is to a man's glory if he does not take offense from others. And I thought, man, I do take offense a lot. I need to align myself with that scripture. You see, soft clay, a lot, you read the scriptures, I need to align myself. Another thing, soft clay, is that gentle urging from the spirit that comes into your life. And some of you, might that might be spooky sounding or mystical, and others of you know that there's that moment when you think, I know I need to do this. Now, God gets a bad name, and it's usually under the title of God told me to do something. Yeah. And uh, that, you know, if that was true every time I heard it, God is extremely schizophrenic because he changes his mind all the time. But what I do know is God does speak, and he does come alongside and say, you know, we need to tighten this up. That's how we stay soft. We want our heart to be soft. Now let's get back to our story. In, in Jeremiah 7, they, they poured out drink offerings to other gods and aroused his anger, but I am the one who they are provoking, declares the Lord. Are they not rather harming themselves? God is a good God. And if he has directives, it's because he cares for us. You see, there's a poison that comes in to pottery. And there's a poison that comes into this process. The word in the Bible that is used for that is sin. And sin is defined two ways in the Bible. All right? One is there's a, there's a line. Imagine there's a line right here. And sin says, yeah, I see that line, and I'm going to step over it. That's one way. Another is, there's a target on the wall, and I'm aiming at the target, but I miss. I'm not hitting the target. Those are very different things. One is just a, an absolute, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm not going to do it. The other is, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the being the best that God wants me or that I was created to be. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day who really, really struggles with uh, same-sex attraction. And he says, Nick, I just, I, I don't know why God would get mad about this. I said, well, 
Because he wants the best for you. Because he created you a certain way and he wants the best. He wasn't stepping over rebellious line. He was trying to love God with all his heart. And I said, you know what? God wants better of me in my Bible study. God wants better of me in how I treat my wife. God wants better of me in how I parent my children. God wants better of me. So we're all in this thing together. We're just aiming to get closer to the target. You see, sin has a process. I call him Pastor James. The New Testament, there's this little book called James, and it's the most practical book in the New Testament because it's got these pithy statements that really help us. Like, you know, well, you can read them to yourself, but I'll read one of them. Talking about this idea of the poison that pulls us off the, the pottery wheel. It's a desire. We all have desires and ideas. They get conceived. And then they give birth to sin. And then sin, when it grows up, gives birth to death. That's a process. And I would think if we all thought about our lives, we're somewhere, there's areas of our lives that are all in that. We have a thought, but we don't follow the thought. Well, we follow the thought and we chase it down and then we end up acting and then we act and then it leads to we're off the wheel and God's not working in our life right now. You know, as I was preparing <laughs> this message, I, I thought, well, I guess I've been there a few times so I can talk about sin. <laughs> okay, I'll laugh. You see, you see, usually when you're only a guest one time, you just keep it really nice, right? <laughs> but now I'm part of the family so we can talk about these things that are really important. You see, we're clay. And God's desire is to keep shaping us into the people of God that he wants us to be, no matter where we're at in the process. And he's at work doing good in our lives. But there is a poison that we have to be cautious of. So it's not a question whether you're clay or not. You were created by God. It's not a question whether God is at work in your life. He is. The question is, stop, look back, what do you see? What could have been better? Stop, look ahead, where do you want to be? And what's it going to take to get there? Because God is at work in our lives. See, to stay soft, we lean in to God's voice. We lean in to the scriptures. We lean into the community of faith. You know, oftentimes, God speaks to us through friends more than anything else because we trust them. And we turn away from the poison where we step across the line we shouldn't or we keep missing the target. You see, this community, which God's going to continue to grow and develop, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for the new building. I'm so excited for this region as God continues to grow this church and and make you impactful. But every person in the room right now, you being soft clay makes every person in the better right now, in the room better right now. See, we don't want to be um, jumping off the wheel. We want God to continue to keep shaping us. God can work in and through each of us. 
Why don't the worship team come back? Do you want to come back? If you want. I mean, I could sing myself, but that might not go so well. And here's what I want you to think as I close in prayer. <clears throat> Every one of us are, uh, are on the wheel. That's not in question. The question is, are we soft clay? Now, I took one art class in my life, and I did one pottery project. <laughs> and I learned something. You make a piece of pottery, and then what do you do? You have to put it in the oven, and it gets really, really hot, right? And if you have left a lot of impurities in the clay, like air bubbles, and you put it in the oven, you know what happens? It explodes. I don't want that. That's not attractive to me. What I want is to say soft clay and say, God, keep shaping and molding my life. And that's what you want. And the good thing about it is, no matter what, what the piece of clay is, no matter who, you, every person here is uniquely different and God is doing uniquely things in your life. That's not the issue. The issue is, Am I soft clay in the hand of the potter? Let me pray for you, and then we'll say, God, you know every person in the room. You know our lives. You know the stuff we've not been willing to turn over. You know the stuff that we, we, we just say, Here, here's my life. And God, I pray that we would be soft clay in the hand of the potter. And for each of us, that we would, we would stop Say thank you that you are creating good in me. And I want to continue to stay soft. And if that's your prayer, I encourage you in the next couple of days to just look with clear eyes and see what God will do in your life. Trust you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.